about to witness the strength of knowledge. This is Steve Dace. Raising a banner of bold colors, no pale pastels. People should not be afraid of their governments. Governments should be afraid of their people. Our rights are inherent and essential. Derived from our maker. That is liberty. And liberty will reign in America. This is Steve Dace. And greetings. Happy Tuesday here on the Steve Day Show podcast on Westwood One, powered by CRTV. My name is Steve Dace. Todd and Aaron are here with me as well. It is a Pop Culture Tuesday. We'll get to that here in a second. But first, gentlemen, let's give the audience a little tease of what's coming up today on CRTV. Aaron, I'll begin with you. Uh, let's see. The World Cup is this weekend, or starts <laughs> this weekend. You won't guess what happened next. Yeah. That'll work. Oh, Aaron, that, that simply won't do. Uh, you are my new man crush. Uh, that was a symphony. Uh, I thank you yeah. uh, from the bottom I of my some, heart. I somehow managed to troll not only Steve, but the soccer world as well at the same time. And deservedly so. That's yeah. why it was just, um, it was multi-layered. I thought it was a piece de resistance. That's what I thought. Why, thank you. So if you want to watch that today, CRTV.com, promo code DACE is how you can watch. And you'll get a discounted subscription by using my name as more than a swear word this time. You can also use it as a promo code. And just what kind of a discount are we talking about? Only a quarter a day. A quarter a day. We'll give you access to not just our show on CRTV, but all of the shows. And speaking of trolling, I'm doing this on purpose right now. Because I'm going to D.C. after this show. And I know you guys are going to send all these hate notes to Aaron. Mm-hmm. So I'm lying to know for you right now, brother. How you like them apples? Hey, that's great. All right. That's great. Keep it up. My throat's not even bad today. I'm just doing <laughs> this on purpose. <laughs> oh, I don't even have an excuse. I just want to light up Aaron's inbox. I appreciate that very much. <laughs> the tweets are coming out. I mean it this time. CRTV, CRTV.com. Yeah, I've got your mic off now. Oh, nice. <laughs> nice. I was wondering if I could, I couldn't hear myself. You turned my mic off. Uh, clever. I like that. CRTV.com, promo code DACE, and you'll get access to our show and all of the shows each day we rebroadcast here exclusively with and without cough drops at CRTV.com. All right, let's get to it. Uh, the Pop Culture Tuesday podcast. And. I'm going to try and do this with the least amount of spoilers possible. So if you haven't seen the new movie Hereditary yet, I want to warn you, I I think I can do this without any spoilers, but I'm not 100% sure I won't maybe indirectly spoil something. So just as a precaution, I want to give this disclaimer out. If you plan on seeing this movie at any point in time and you don't trust my ability to cleverly discuss this topic without spoiling the movie, I want to give you a warning now. Okay, you have been warned, all right? So we've had two horror films that were critics' favorites so far in 2018. And... I grew up into the occult. My grandmother was a big horror movie buff. You know, I I saw every horror movie and you could imagine that was available growing up. Um, After I got converted 
I'm, I maintained my interest in the genre, but I'm, I'm more interested in it from an analytical perspective. Because most horror films are not good movies. They're cheap gags, thrills, take your date to the movies, hope that that gives you a chance to, you know, uh, make a move, get closer, etc. Um, they're, they're not well-made, most of them. That's what, and that's why they make so many of them. Because you can make them very cheaply, and therefore it doesn't require much to turn a profit. Some are exceedingly well-made. It was one of the 10 best movies I saw last year. As I've, as, as I've gotten, since my conversion, you know, the slasher movies, you know, I'm, I'm, I've, you know, they're, how many times have they remade Friday the 13th? I, I've watched those when I was a kid. I've not watched any of that. I, I, don't, I don't like watching, and there's no value analytically, in my view, to watching people essentially getting tortured to death. I am interested, though, when they tackle spiritual subject matter. And I think for me as a believer and someone that is compensated to navigate this space between culture and spirituality, I'm kind of required on some level to be aware of what spiritual themes the culture is highlighting, is attracted to, etc., and so that's primarily, you know, I, I, I would say it's 99.99999. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to say 100% because I'm sure somewhere I've screwed up because I'm human. But that my consumption of horror films now is primarily analytical. I am interested in seeing what the culture is afraid of. And then, and then how it manifests those fears. And then most importantly, by the way, what it believes the antidote to them is. I'm really interested in that. What does the culture think is the antidote to what it's afraid of? And it dawned on me over the weekend when I went and saw Hereditary, which is a critic's darling, as was A Quiet Place. It's not often horror films are over 88 or 90% on Rotten Tomatoes. Because like I said, most of them aren't very well made. But both of these are. And in many respects, they're the same movie. From completely opposite worldviews. And that's what I find fascinating. And I want us to discuss this in a way that gets into this comparison. And I'm going to try to leave as many of the plot points out for Hereditary and A Quiet Place both as I can. Okay. At the heart of both of these movies is the struggle of a family, of a nuclear family, a traditional nuclear family, to stand up to a great evil and stand up for one another as they're threatened by it. That's really, the, that's really what both of these movies are about. That's really what they're about. Now, in the case of A Quiet Place, the menacing evil is extraterrestrial and not spiritual. In the case of Hereditary, it is 
only spiritual. All right, so the 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 evil, the but they're both evils of an existential variety. They're both evils that if allowed, that in the case of a quiet place, it's already taken root in the world. And now it's a matter of whether the family in question that's at the center of the film can be a a, a, a cornerstone in pushing pushing back against it. In the case of hereditary, the family is is the entry point to this existential evil that wants to take root in the world. And it's up to see if this family is capable of closing the door or not. Or they're going to be really unwitting vessels for this entity. In the case of a quiet place, you don't just have the formula of a nuclear family. You have the essence of it. What do I mean by the formula? Mom or a dad who's male, a mom who's female, two children. Although in a quiet place, they start out as three children and then there's a tragedy. But for the most of the film, it's two children. A boy and a girl. You have the same formula in hereditary. Mom who's female, dad who's male. We have to clarify those things nowadays, guys. Apparently. Um, And a brother and a sister. Both have the formula of the traditional nuclear family. Even though there's various sets, most of the conflict in both films occurs within the homes, the dwellings of the family. I mean, it's this is, in other words, get the metaphor here? The home is the battleground. But in a quiet place, you don't just have the formula, you have the essence. The father is the father. He is a servant leader. He serves his family and he leads them at the exact same time. And because he has modeled service to service to his family, they follow his leadership. He makes decisions. They submit to his decisions and he he considers their counsel and opinions before making them. And then once he makes them, because of what he's modeled, they follow even when they don't always agree. The father practices sacrificial love in the film. The mother is the nurturer. She spends much of the film, Emily Blunt does, pregnant in the movie. And literally has to give birth to a newborn while they're facing this great evil in their home. And what you see in the movie A Quiet Place is the antidote to the evil they're up against is the family fulfilling 
their calling and mission mission to one another. Both parents' willingness to sacrifice all for their children, but the father takes the lead where that's concerned. He's, he always takes the lead. But he doesn't take the lead as in, I'm in charge. He takes the lead in suffering. He takes the lead in service. He models this. And then the family follows suit. The mother is revered and respected and dignified by her children in her home as a result of what's modeled by her and her husband. They truly are in love with one another. And it is that love, it is that service to one another that the antidote to the evil is found and forged and manifested at the end of the movie. Hopefully I'm not spoiling it by telling you most of the time the good guys win, right? Okay? You haven't spoiled it and it makes me want to see it more. Good. Okay. Now let's go to Hereditary. Same general story. Just the source of evil is different. Extraterrestrial conquest versus demonic conquest. Same formula. Same battleground. The home. But when you look at the family in a quiet place, we see them praying together, which I think is noteworthy. I mean, you could put that as a quaint scene if you want to capture some American Gothic in a film. Keep in mind, this family has just been through a, an, a, a global cataclysmic event. The world as, they've, as they, know, they knew it is gone because of this alien conquest. And yet, despite that, despite the fact, their expectations of what life would be like are not just gone but gone in the most fantastical way you could possibly imagine we still see them at a dinner table holding hands and praying and saying grace you where I'm going with that mm-hmm. the faith that the f- faith boy it, it there may be some questions asked it may not be as robust as it would be in good times but it's still there and it is still a constant presence in the home of that family in a quiet place. There is no faith in hereditary. Well, there is one, but not the right one. This family is utterly defenseless. It has undergone legions, pun intended, of tragedies. The father, played by Gabriel Byrne, is the typical American male. He died passive-aggressive. Through long stretches, of he, he does nothing to put himself in front between the threat to his family and his family. In fact, he often, throughout the film, denies said threat exists. He's ambivalent to ignorant, to willfully ignorant to it, willfully blinded. Now, he's not altogether terrible. He clearly loves his wife, Tony Collette. 
But because there's no cornerstone there, like you see with the faith, the family of faith in, in a, a quiet place, he's only acting on his own worldview. When he thinks he can control a situation, he's aggressive in being a good husband and father. When he thinks the situation is outside of his control, he just passively punts. Does that sound like any men you know, Todd? Uh, just a few. Yeah. And then after he passively punts and he watches the dysfunction in his family going on in front of him, he then reasserts himself, screaming out pronouncements. We're done now. We won't do this anymore. That's not a solution. That's not leadership. That's, you know, you're venting. Now, because the father will not perform his role, what do you think the mother does? Assumes some of his duties. Except she is very broken. She also lacks no foundation that helps her to move beyond her own brokenness. So she wallows in it. There's no change agent. Nothing, no transformation is happening. These people have simply overcome the tragedies that have befallen them in their past as a family by the mere passage of time. There's been no healing, no redemption, no meaning or purpose. There's even one point in the film where there's a great tragedy and the mother says out loud, I would have hoped this would have brought us all together. And it just seems to have made it even worse. And so little by little, now, both of these films are exquisitely well made. Very original filmmaking. In A Quiet Place, it's the lack of dialogue. In Hereditary, the use of camera angles, sound editing. There's one scene in the film where the side surround sound was so creepy and so eerie and so unsettling. If I could describe Hereditary in one word... The trailer doesn't really tell you what the, what the plot line is. I'll warn you ahead of time, okay? But the, the quirkiness, the oddity, the awkwardness, just the, 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 how you, you feel like it's just something's off when you see the trailer. The whole movie's like that. Really? that that's right on the money. Wow. And so the, the movie really makes, the whole time, and, and what it does is it creates this aura of, am I seeing what I think I'm seeing? Is there something else going on here? And then you're doubting whether there's something else going on here. That's really clever. But there's one scene in particular with one sound effect that is so well edited. I nearly, Amy and I looked at each other. We thought some, there was a disturbance in the theater off to the side. I was like, going to get up and see if we were safe. And, and then you realize, just as I was standing up to go check it out, a few seconds go by, you realize, that is a movie effect. That doesn't happen very often. That's well done. All right? That's good filming. That's good movie making. But when the time comes, and just as the evil escalates in a quiet place until the ultimate confrontation, it does so in hereditary as well. But when in a quiet place, the family is willing, beginning with the father, to do what must be done to defeat and vanquish the, the evil. In Hereditary, they are not only not equipped, they have no idea what they're dealing with. This is why I've compared the movie to a cross between The Sixth Sense 
which Tony Collette was also in, ironically, and Rosemary's Baby. They, they really don't understand the scope of what they're up against. It's beyond them. And you know why it's beyond them? They don't have a spiritual framework to truly understand what they're dealing with. And so when someone comes to them and says, hey, do you want to use this occultic device to talk to deceased loved ones? You know, they think this is, you know, an infomercial. Oh, that sounds great. They have no idea what Captain Howdy has in mind. No idea. If you get the Easter egg I just dropped on you there. So because the family is spiritually ambivalent to ignorant, to dead, they eventually, when the evil manifests itself full bore, they turn on one another and they're easy pickings. And so what you see is a quiet place presents an antidote for evil. In the universe, except for one line at the end of the film, which I will not spoil, in the universe of hereditary, no, no such antidote is even a consideration. In some respects, it reminds me of the first Paranormal Activity movie where the couple is is being haunted by a demonic presence and they go and do a Google search online and they go to the, lo- the demonologist at the local university and they email her dad and they talk to their sister. You know, you know where they never go? It's like, it's like the church doesn't exist in the universe of paranormal activity. Every other, every other source of knowledge from pop culture to the parents to academia is consulted in paranormal activity, except the one who might have a thing or two to say about this particular subject matter. And it's not even like derided. It's That's like it, gonna, it, it doesn't even, it wasn't, it's not mocked. Wow. In paranormal activity, it does not exist. Does not exist. There's never a point where they even look at each other and say, should we talk to the local priest or go to the church? And then they, nah, they don't even do that. It's like the church, it's like we're not there to help them. It's like we don't exist. They can't, in the movie, they couldn't contemplate where this would be a, 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 a device worthy of utilizing. In hereditary or paranormal activity? Both of them. Both of them. Both of them. And what is ironic, this is the closest I will go to a spoiler. The only time in hereditary, the antidote is ever explicitly or even implicitly referred to is by the evil. Even the demons believe and tremble. And it's one (laughs) profound but throwaway line at the end of the film that I won't spoil. You can see it for yourself. Is that a line that you got or is it evident for the average viewer who's not particularly theologically versed even if they're a Christian the way, will they get it the way that the line is articulated is even if they didn't get it they would they would wonder what does this mean okay you know, it's, 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 the terminology used is explicit let me just put it that Got way it. it's explicit terminology okay but it is the evil that references the antidote at no time is it available or hinted at or implied for the family they are on their own in this world against something from another world.
And so, guys, I just found this incredibly fascinating, this dichotomy, this contrast. And I think they're both excellent films. And so, since I think they're both excellently made from a craftsmanship standpoint, the tie to me goes to the film with the better worldview. So, I'm going to favor A Quiet Place more. But they're so similar in terms of the story they're telling, who they're telling the story through, and where most of the story takes place, and what the story is about. But the approach they take in, in resolution could not be more different. Your thoughts on what I've said so far? Well, Ma, you entered into this discussion talking about um, this genre as... I mean, did you a, a kind of a genre within a genre of horror movies? So broadly, horror movies. Mm-hmm. But what would you call it? Um, I would psychological call, thriller. I would yeah. call psychological spiritual horror is what I would call it. Okay, but I, I think ultimately, uh, what you're hitting on is when you we talk uh, every once in a while about. Uh, quality Christian filmmaking, the conversation, interestingly enough, would be a lot along the lines of what you talked about right now, which I, which just, this is self-serving for you, but this is why I can't wait to see how a nefarious plot turns out when it's on the big screen, because that that's what we're talking about we're talking we're talking about how to make a great spiritual film it sounds like it will be an explicitly christian film it sounds like it'll be a lot like these two films and i don't think a a lot of people may either in or out of hollywood necessarily get that connect those dots i mean we are talking about good versus evil at an existential Level. It should not just there, always be about the soup kitchens, which are very important things, right, but you know, right. that feel good stuff that makes you tinkle. No, it should scare the crap out of you. There is one one franchise in this genre that does get it, and it's the most successful one going right now. And they've created an entire shared universe. There's another uh, uh, chapter in this shared universe coming out later this year called The Nun, and it's The Conjuring Universe. About the 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 Catholic uh, ghost hunter demonologist couple from the seventies whose name escapes me. All right, but if you see the first if you see the first Conjuring film, and then the second one that came out, I think it was last summer, was very similar. But it does, and that's James Wan who's doing the Aquaman movie. But that film, those films are have overtly Christian. Theolog- or I wouldn't say maybe, because I wouldn't call them theologically precise. How about we say overtly um, Christian spiritual weaponry? How about I use that description? Yeah. Okay. Overtly Christian spiritual re- weaponry. Like, you know, power of Christ compels you kind of stuff. Okay. Like, if we don't stop and pray to Jesus right now, we are all going to be destroyed by this demon, that kind of stuff, okay? I'm sure we would have issues with their theological orthodoxy, but the spiritual weaponry utilized is overtly Christian. 
and it's it's right now the most successful horror franchises. Uh, the um, the Annabelle franchise, all of that stuff, all these movies that they've made that have been very successful at the box office come out of this universe that attempts to do some of what you are just describing right now. So, but they're kind of a lone wolf. You know, a lot of times, um, you know, the old quintessential. And a lot of times, Catholicism is the is the is the is the vessel of Christianity depicted in these films because the ornateness, the uh, of the the ecclesiastical adornings of Catholicism look great on the screen. You know, it, I, you know, a guy walking in with you know. A product of the evangelical pastor with skinny jeans and a Hawaiian shirt walking in to rebuke uh, Dormammu. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what that. I don't know that on the big screen you kind of think to yourself, "This is really serious." What's happening right now? Now Max von Sydow walks in with a collar. All right, swinging a lamp. Hawaiian within, shirts don't with do it for you. Yeah, and you start thinking, about to get real up in here, right? Yeah. So there's there's a certain adornment of of Catholic ecclesiology that plays to being the vessel in a visual medium because it lends to imparting the gravity of the situation to an audience much more than, you know, where we went to church yesterday and, you know, our pastor stood up and he's wearing a nice Joseph A. Bank button down with some khakis. Okay. That's not going to do it for you. Yeah. It's not going to show when I'm, when I'm sitting in the multiplex and this is the moment and the guy walks out with some pleated khakis, you're like, Oh, now I need to see a dude that looks like he's lived on the earth for a while and he's got some got some scars. And he's got he's wearing the uniform. I need to see the uniform. That's what I need to see, right? Um, but it, that stereotype that was in a lot of this genre most of our childhood, or you know, before you know Aaron came of age, you don't see that a lot anymore. You see it in the Conjuring universe, but you don't really see it a lot in horror anymore. More and more, they are making films where they are acknowledging evil. Hereditary does a thorough job of acknowledging what evil is and where it comes from while offering you no shield or antidote for it. Do you think that's because it doesn't care and or believe about what that genuinely is or because it they deeply do care but they're trying to get you to think about what that is on your own could be both could be either one i you know we had that we we, we've got this rash of zombies and apocalyptic stuff almost you know like a culture crying out to be put out of its misery i think some of it is this notion that or an acknowledgement we don't we we our worldview is wrong but it lets us do fun stuff with our bodies that we don't want to give up. So we'll meet you halfway, Christians, Jews. We'll admit evil exists. But this whole, you know, one living God, all-powerful being that is really the only authority in the cosmos to vanquish it will also make demands on me while, while rescuing and saving me. And I don't want to, I don't want to take that I don't, want to, I don't want that part of the equation. So we'll just, you know, evil, you're right, evils exist and it sucks. And then the credits roll. Because I don't want to give up my wallet or my zipper. What do you think, Aaron? Yeah, I think it's a couple of different ways you can take the commentary on, on how the church is viewed or not viewed. And I think we've, I've said this before, but I all, all know for sure 
that the church is completely dead in the West when it's not necessarily hated, but it's irrelevant. Right now, real or imagined in the, the minds of uh, leftists in in the West, particularly the United States, probably less so, honestly, in Europe, but particularly in the United States, whether real or imagined, the church is still their opponent. Christianity is still their opponent. But I'll know as decrepit as the state of a lot of the church is in the United States, it's when we're irrelevant. And that's what that's one thing the movie I think from your from your words it's that's one thing that it says. But the other uh is just the kind of slap you in the face uh you know where's your God now? Uh basically. Yeah. That's 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 basically what I'm hearing you say. That's yep. the message of the movie. There's no there's no recourse it sounds like for these people. I was reading spoilers as as you were as you were as you were talking, but there's no recourse for these people when you're faced with a spiritual problem and you have no solution spiritually speaking, you don't even know where to begin. Mm-hmm. You're screwed. Mhm. So if you're thinking, if you haven't seen these films yet, let me close with this little parental disclaimer, A Quiet Place. Um, it really comes down, the subject matter is, is fine for kids, I would say, that are nine, ten years old or older. And then it's just a matter of their particular maturity level for intense scenes, what what they can tolerate and what might give them nightmares at night. And that's different for every, uh, you know, for every kid. On no earth in the multiverse is hereditary appropriate viewing for anybody really under the age of 15 or 16, okay? So just want to throw those things out there right now. But if you've seen both of these movies, I'd love to get your feedback on this juxtaposition. Steve at stevedace.com is the email address. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. All right, I'm heading for DC. I'll be back again on Friday. You guys... Gonna be okay while I'm gone. We got this. We got it. Well, who's gone? Indeed. John 317. This is Steve Dace. I like it, you.